Welcome to the CEO Stylist Podcast, where two unlikely CEOs come together and rewrite the narrative of what it means to be a CEO stylist. Yvanka Loria and Kirsten Harris are on a mission, giving stylists permission to join the movement of artists breaking the mold of what is meant to be for the hair industry and creating the life and schedule of their dreams. Fast forward through many failed attempts and lessons learned in the process, it's time to level up the playing field. It's time to call BS on what's been done before. Yavanka and Kirsten are ready to share it all, defying the odds of the industry and teaching you how to do the same. Welcome to the CEO Stylist. I'm your co-host Kirsten and with me today I've got my bestie Yavanka. Hi. It sounds so weird when you call me Yavanka. I know. It sounds like I'm in trouble. Today we've got a really big topic and I apologize in advance because this is going to be a bit of a heavy one and I think it's going to land for a lot of our female listeners in um and I'm generalizing here when I say this but the topic that we want to talk about today is overcoming mum guilt and and I want to preface that by going mum guilt is really parent guilt right because there's plenty of single dads out there as well that are navigating work life, kids, all of that, as well as women. But I guess this, for us to have this chat, we're going to come from a place of experience for both of us. We both Mm. have kids and we're going to, you know, talk about our children a little bit more. And we've got definitely different age kids and, you know, our own personal experiences around navigating the mum guilt because it's real and raw and it fucking hurts at times. And, you feel like a shitty human being and you're in a place and you want to be somewhere else and all of that negative head talk. So, yeah. So for those that want to tap out because it's triggering, we totally get it. Um, But we really hope that this episode today helps. Because I know, you know, when we first met, that's what I was like listening to your stories and I hear it so many, I hear it so much out there. Like I started my entrepreneurial journey when my kids were in school. But listening to your story and so many others who pretty much have their baby and, you know, they only get, you know, three months or three weeks and some some are even back at work if they're running their own business. And this just goes back to it doesn't matter what stage, mum guilt, no one prepares you for mum guilt. No. Right? If you're working for someone, it's leaving your child, like leaving them whether it's for work or, and honestly, like having your business, like I think back now, you know, what I've had to take on my plate, I honestly feel for other mums who are doing it when their kids are little because it's hard to be in all places at once. It really is. I, You know, I think that probably triggers wanting to share, you know, my story a little bit to give a little bit of background, you know, coming from a place of experience that one, my husband and I were living in Melbourne. Melbourne's not our place of home. We had no family and our support network was him and I and a nanny because we were in a privileged situation that we could afford a nanny. Afford is an interesting word. We had no choice because we both chose career paths. We had no help. So I'm kind of jumping, right, because the nanny only came around when we had baby number two. We've got a five-year gap between our kids. But if I take it back to baby number one, um I was in a, a in a a position where I was I had to travel very regularly and they weren't like interstate trips it was overseas most of the time and uh my boss like I was a partner in that business 
and my boss was international based and fuck talking about maternity leave. They had no regard for, for rules here around how pregnant are you and when are you coming back for work? Because they that was the only conversation that really happened. Like how long do you need to have it off and when will you be back to work? So, you know, there was that enormous pressure. Mm. About so how long did you have off? Well, in the end, I had nine months off, but mm-hmm. that wasn't that. And that I really like, I want to take this back by saying that the arrangement that my husband and I had when I was pregnant, he was going to stay home and look after our son. And I was going back to work within six weeks. Wow. And then turns out, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will relate to this. We never, we're, we're never prepared, like despite all the books and whatever else you read, mm-hmm. we're never quite prepared. I feel like we're psychologically wired in our brain, yeah. no matter how much we're doing, the feeling's normal. Yeah, the feel, but I didn't, I, I think what caught me by surprise was how much I really wanted to stay home and spend that time with my mm. son, really wanted to. like it. And so that's what I went about doing. It was uh, like the risk was low for me in, in the sense that I actually didn't care. Mm. Um, what the consequences were going to be, um, and they were and they were massive for me in the end making that choice. But um, I I wanted this because I knew that you know from my strong sense of family value I'll never get that time back. Mm. So it was really different experience because I felt like it was you know from a from a place of I didn't regard what was going on in the workplace. Yeah, I had a little bit of that FOMO because it was the only thing before you have your first child and you're in your the, your career, that's all you have, right? You can be very selfish in your day. You can come and go as you please, eat when you like, you throw a baby in the mix and you're still building your career. And I was 27, so I was still really young. Um, I didn't, like I stopped and I felt very privileged that I could stop um, and really spend that time with Tristan as a baby and really build that bond. So I didn't have that guilt back then. I had other consequences that were really unfortunate in that work environment for making that decision, but I never regretted it. Fast forward to baby number two, a five-year gap. I was in a completely different position and we had our own business then and I'm having a baby and actually I'm having a baby it was Friday night. I'm being induced on Saturday. I wasn't telling anyone. Everyone's like, bye, see you. You know, that typical, have a great weekend. See you on Monday. Are you doing anything this weekend? No, no, I'm, I'm having a baby tomorrow. I, was, I didn't tell my team. <laughs> I mean, that is hilarious. So how ridiculous is this, right? Like what message am I sending myself? I'm walking out of the office on a Friday night, walking into the hospital on Saturday to be induced I gave birth naturally it's not like I was having a cesarean like you know doesn't matter how we give birth by the way but <laughs> it was like I was literally walking into the office into the hospital the following morning to have a child I was sitting in my bed because the messaging in my brain then because I flipped from being a partner in a business to now I'm the owner of a business fully mm-hmm. you know, that I had team and I had offices I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sitting there in my bed in the hospital working, Mm. trying to balance this, and that was the slippery slope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I actually didn't know that about you. Which part? 
that part when you oh, have that part like I'm out of the office on Friday night having a baby yeah I like I wanted do you know what it was this is the most ridiculous thing I wanted to prove that I could do it all and you have so much responsibility I feel like you know you also have responsibility to other people as well you know now my older mature head it's like what message was I telling giving my people back then that you could walk out of the office on a Friday night and have a baby the have a baby and then like just pass me my laptop and I'll keep working so then with Taya how long did you have off for the second for her well I was I was working in the hospital yeah but did you did you actually take some time off no you went straight back wow James was looking after her the nanny she came no we didn't have a nanny then she She came came with you to work yeah she really did and so we got to about and and then this is where we'll flip to mum girl so one thing I'm really lucky I didn't suffer postnatal depression that I know of that I know of so imagine if I was you know in that situation where I was confronted there is absolutely no way that you Mm -hmm. could be in a position from everything I've read listen to talk to people friends in my circle that have suffered mm. like I was very fortunate like that I, I did go through that I got I went through it she came to the office she like just had to blend in Tristan was five years older and at school at that point right so we're trying to live this normal life and she sat under my office not sat she was in her bassinet but <laughs> <laughs> until she was about 12 weeks and developed a voice and was noisy and then i became mindful of what this was like for it seems just so ridiculous even now talking about it like the what message was i sending to my team back then about trying to be a hero and and do it all but the mum guilt for me really really set in it was horrific when I had to send her to childcare. Mm-hmm. And so she went, was it in a beautiful nurturing place, but every day walking out of that childcare. Nobody prepares you for that. Leaving that tiny baby going, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> but I had to work. So the pressure was on. Like, so yeah, I, you know, that, so that's really my story. So, and I, I hear that all the time. Like, I, I'm, you know, like I said, it's so, you know, now, well, I think this happened a long time ago where, you know, women really don't have that privilege anymore of being able to stay home, you know, for no. school because there's no. so much pressure. And then you can see that's what happened to me. So that's my story where my husband, Vlad, who's amazing, who we work together now, but he was the one, you know, pulling seven days a week, you know, working seven days a week. And I was very fortunate enough to be able to stay home with the kids, but I was very much like you, there was that burning passion. Like I really loved, I've always loved my career, but I took a sideline from my career and I was only working a couple of days a week. So to me, that was like my little social outing at that point. I was still working for someone. I was still, you know, thinking about what I was going to do next, but it wasn't, you know, really prevalent at that point yet because I started, you know, to just jump on social media then and it was like a whole new world for me. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I have two two kids, so I have David and Taya, and David's now 14, Taya's 12. But she was always, I mean, she's still so attached to me. You've seen her. You know, even now she's 12 and she's still sometimes like, Mum, can you sleep with me? And it's like, oh, my God, when is this going to end? As much as I love her, she was very, very, very attached to me. So, you know, someone like me who I wasn't really maternal, to be really honest. I used to look at other kids and I'd be like, oh, they're just 
you know, mostly they were annoying. And when I had my own kids, obviously they just softened me up. I became like a little butterball, you know, from being this like really hard, hardcore, hard-headed, stubborn, very career-driven. And, you know, something in me changed. But then also I saw Vlad busting his balls working seven days a week. And that, that was when I first started thinking, you know, I really need to do something. But I was shitting myself and I was like, oh, I would really love to have a salon. I really love to do this. And I kept asking, you know, other mums, I was going around like, how do you do it? Like, what's it like? And I just kept, I reckon for a good year, I was just asking, sitting on the sidelines. There's no easy way around it, right? But I was just, you know, like the limiting beliefs and the self-talk on how the hell am I going to do it? And I was just really scared to take that, you know, that initial first step. So, you know, this is when I started to explore or, or think about starting to explore the world of hair extensions. And, you know, there was no course here in Adelaide, so I had to travel. The course that I wanted to do was out in America. So obviously Devin and Tia, I think they were around five and six at that at that time. So I had to go to Melbourne. And this is like the most mum guilt I ever felt because for me to go do this course in Melbourne, you know, it would have cost me a few thousand. And I remember having that conversation with the lady that I was going to go do the course with and I kept saying, what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? You know, you just feel so guilty because you're like, you know, and coming from my European background as well and, you know, this because I saw my mum always being, you know, the last. Put ourselves last. It's even exactly. like when we serve food, right? Everyone else serve us last. Exactly. Yeah. And my mum was that typical European mum. She never, she worked maybe for a couple of years, but dad was always a breadwinner. You know, she was always putting, you know, everybody but herself, you know, uh, she was putting herself last. And I remember very young thinking, I don't want to be like that when I'm older. Um, so, and I guess I was always very career-driven. Are you nervous about judgment in that as well in your family? I think yeah. subconsciously, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. what if it doesn't work, it's going to impact my family. We didn't have the money because we were, you know, we were, like Vlad was self-employed, but it's it's a struggle because that whole thing with self-employment, you know, you think you're doing great, then you pay tax and kids and this and that, and we're living up in the Adelaide Hills um, as well. So travelling back down, you know, the logistics of how I was going to get help with my family and my parents were a little bit older. So this that's the voices inside your head just get louder and louder. And I nearly backed out, but thank God, you know, my husband was like, babe, just stop, like, go do it. You're amazing at what you do. You know, it's money at the end of the day. We've made it, we've lost it, we'll do it again. So that was a real pivotal point because now that I'm in a position where I speak to other stylists who are in my position and especially what's going on in today's climate, Mm. I hear it all the time. They get off the phone, they'll get back on and say, like, my husband, we don't have the money. You know, we don't, everyone's so afraid to make the initial investment. Yeah. And this is someone coming from me that I had to put that, I had to put that investment on my credit card. We didn't have the money. Now imagine where I am now. You know, I think we spoke about this in one of our first few episodes is taking a bet on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But the underlying, the underlying issue is that chronic mum guilt that nobody prepares you for. And I think I had to give myself permission. And obviously, thank God, my husband gave me permission because it was a it was a very cornerstone to what really changed. Who would have thought a simple extension course would really change my life? Yeah, absolutely. It was the beginning of something. It was the beginning of something. But I came back and that's when, um, you know, we ended up finding a house because um, I was like, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do it properly. And I thought, if I am going to do this, and again, uh, for me, we just made a decision to buy a house where I had 
the opportunity to build the salon around my home because I was like, if I am going to do this, I don't, I don't really want to not have my kids around me. So I think I was very lucky in that sense. I yeah. think now that I look back, that gave me the courage to be able to do what I did Absolutely. because I knew I still had access to my kids or they had access to me. Yeah, which was very different from my experience. Very, very different. <laughs> it's so different. And to be really honest, if I look back, to be fair, if I look back now and if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have gone ahead with it, which is so crazy. My yeah. Mine was really like being in Melbourne and not having family and James and I, we both like living in Melbourne is really expensive. So um we both and you know the strong sense of values what I think the lesson that it taught us and to protect us from judgment of others because I decided to change career paths when Taya was a virtually newborn you know we were coming to the end of the line with that business it was something that was not serving us as a family we were both working in it and circumstances, you know, changes when you've got kids. So what was centred to us was, I mean, we we had the same issue living in Melbourne and inevitably where I ended up in that job, back in employment, going from being the employer to now being an employee, moving to Boost Juice Bars, that was a long way. Logistically, it was a long way from home. And so for me, it was like, well, if we're going to do this, we had to really reevaluate our family values. So we have self values, right? Oh. But then, and that navigating that whole mum guilt is really something that's not that I want to take away from the dads here, but it's something we're giving birth, and you know, you, you different connection. It's a different connection. So we had to reevaluate our family values together as a family with a newborn and a five-year-old that was just starting school. He was at a private school that that had its own conditions as well. That school required one of the parents to go and read readers and, you know, contribute 18 hours a term, essentially what it was. I wasn't in a position to do that. Neither was James. Mm -hmm. And so we had to make the decision to bring in a third set of hands. It was the only way that we were going to navigate. And so I had to give up any form of guilt and what helped me in that moment was was centered to our value family values sacrifices for the betterment of your family and what you were going to achieve for yourself yeah that's it because you know that led to such an incredible career path for me but um it was pretty common it did put a lot of pressure on us early on like it was long hours. I was an hour's drive from home. Yeah, it was insane. And then we um, had uh, the extra pressure of what we had to contribute to Tristan's school early on as well. So, you know, and then that it kind of like there was some cracks appearing, I guess, because we were both, James and I both worked over the other side. When I say over the other side of Balti Bridge, our Melbourne viewers will know we were living Western suburbs at that point. Our offices were east, so it was a long drive. Um, When I just hear that, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, I often joke, I can't even get to my lounge room on time. (laughs) The fact that you had to give up, back then there was no podcast, you couldn't listen to podcasts on the way, probably didn't have mobile phones, you had the flip mobile phones. Hey, it was 17 years ago, we had mobiles. Hang on, on. did you have the iPhones? Was, Was it the flip phones? It wasn't like Bluetooth where you can speak to someone in in the um 
in the carbon. Oh, look, I can tell you back then we could put a phone to our ear. And you could drive and talk. You couldn't drive and talk. Definitely you could drive and talk back then. Like early on. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure when I had two hours. I know that sounded so bad. Like the flip Motorola phone. (laughs) Maybe there was iPhones back then, the beginning of. I definitely remember Facebook was a thing. Like just because I remember being in the office at Boost and going, What's this Facebook thing? Like do I create a profile? Don't Hang on a sec. You would lose two hours a day just commuting. Yes. Yeah, crazy. Both of us. James's office was even further. It's just so we have a clearer idea. So you would literally leave home at what, like 6, 6.30? Oh, my God. Okay, so this is where mum guilt really kicks in. So we've got a little boy that's in reception at school and we have to utilise before school care and after school care for like a five-year-old plus a nanny. And we had to navigate that like logistically, but also emotionally because, you know, we're leaving home. He had to be at, in order for me to get across the other side to the office, he had to be at um, before school care by 7.30. It's a lot for a little kid. So that mum guilt like kicked in. I'd get up and go to gym before all of that because one of my personal values and something that I'd set for myself was I need to start my day by exercising. Mm. Up at 4.30, go to the gym, get there at 5. Like, to, it was just a short way of killing yourself, really. And by the time you got home, by the, would you have to cook dinner as well? Oh, yeah. Like, it was, yeah, yeah, definitely. So we, um, with Tristan, like, he was having breakfast at school, which I was really grateful for, really grateful, really, for that, that school that he went to, trying to navigate Melbourne traffic, which is just shit. Um, Get to the office. <laughs> you know, make sure you don't lose your head in a high pressure situation, a growing business back then. And um, at the other end of the day, like shit needed to be done. And commonly I was still in the office at 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Like it's just the job had to get done. And I was recreating my career path as well. So I really felt like I had to prove myself to my peers. So which me, that message back then was you've got to put in the hours because what was ingrained in me, if you want to get somewhere in life, you had to work with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that that's what that was. So very common it would be, James, well, the nanny's gone, what time are you going to be home? Thankfully, I have a husband that can cook and, you know, he was amazing at it. So, And we were very fortunate. When we had that extra set of hands, I'd make sure there was food and she would cook for the kids. So it's not like the kids were left with no food. So yeah. that guilt switch turned back on when I get in the car at seven o'clock and I've got an hour's drive and I've missed the kids before they go to bed. Yeah. Ouch. Mm, yeah. I can imagine. And would the kids ever say anything like, mummy, I want to see you more? Look, Taya was the baby, so she had no clue what was going on really. Um, uh, look, no, Tristan was pretty resilient. Like he was, because he had grown up. I didn't up really know him. any other way. No, because he used to go to full-time childcare anyway, so he did a full-time kinder program there. So he was—he didn't know it any other way. It was just a very long day for a little mm-hmm. Oh, my kid. God, I'm exhausted just listening to you. My days were exhausting. But I really I really love what you said about the values because this is what really changed, and I'm, I'm excited to share this part. It is. That, that was absolute key to navigating my way without 
Mm. ending in a mess and there were days like don't get me wrong as strong as you can be that I cried most days leaving Taya at childcare walking out the door going the fuck am I doing like and you just you just had to put that mask on and you had to put up yeah Yeah. but I came back to family values what what is it that we agreed on as a family and that's what kept me in that belief and it was also belief system right Mm -hmm. so with me it's interesting that you speak about values because back then um while when I came back and I was implementing these extensions and we came here and we moved, I ended up going to do my first personal development course with, um, he's an Adelaide guy called Michael Johnston, Mojo Master. Okay. Um, and it was it was a four-day event. And, again, this was, I, I did it with Tuba, which you know Tuba. She's one of your Great clients Tuba. as well and one of um, our clients, one of our really good friends. Tuba K, we need to give her a shout-out. Tuba K, active wear, absolutely. She was with you know, with us from the very early on, beginning days when I wasn't, I didn't even have my own hair extensions. So very, very grateful for her. And we went on a personal um, journey together to do this course. And it was a four-day event. And it was from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. We were there um, till like two, three in the morning. Again, leaving our kids and our families, yeah, for four days to really, you know, make some really life change, you know, life-changing shifts with mindset and you know we were, we had to learn about a value system and when I first learned about value system like I was you know understanding like I had, had a roundabout like what I what my it was more my beliefs but I didn't really understand what my own personal values were because again there's very different personal values and there's business values that now I can separate them but they still align as well as with my personal values I really had to learn and the question is what are your values and you know, in the beginning, you don't even stop to think because you never really, you know, ask yourself what your values are. My values were embedded from me, from my, you know, family, from what other people thought because I was putting on my value system. So it's a hierarchy of your value system. But it's very tricky because if you're not conscious or aware of it, you're really living everyone else's values, not your own values. That's it. And this is where, you know, this comes down to now separating. We all know what mum gear is, we all have it, but now how do you take it out and separate it so that you can live your values and not feel like a shitty person, not feel like you're, you know, being judged? Because, again, from me, just to go back to with my parents, when you asked me did I feel judged, absolutely, because my mum and dad come from the school of where to this day they do everything together. Mm. So when I was leaving my husband to go to Melbourne, I was even scared. I wasn't even wanting to tell anyone because... I was going to be judged and I had to cop shit from them. Why are you going without your husband? Like, you know, they're thinking you're going to have an affair. God knows what these people are thinking. In the kitchen, cooking for your family. In the kitchen, cooking for your family. And that is something that I really had to work because once I understood the hierarchy of my value system, you become a lot more confident in yourself and what you're after. And then also, you know, once you break it down, like for me, just to give you an example, my value system, you know, was my kids first or my husband and then, you know, down the list is everything else but the things that that really, you know, motivate and drive you because you kind of lose yourself in that in that mum mum mode as well. You kind of lose yourself. Yeah. You know? And you can, I can see how, you know, women get, postpartum and they stay in that because you really you know lose your identity in a, in a sort of way but once I really got down to what does what fills my cup what drives me and it has to it's not it ha, it's not tangible things it has to be like um you know what drives you at your core 
what's going to motivate you because once you know your value system and it's not in the order of your family it's what's going to make you happy by the time and your my family are still on my value system but it's not the top one because the top one is what's going to What's the whereas my kids are my values, but it's kind yeah. of disconnecting of what what fulfills your cup, right? Because mm. by the time what happens generally um, is that you're living life to please everyone else's values, and by the end of the day, you've got nothing left to give yourself. Yeah. So that's why you end up being disconnected. You know, you end up, you know, can fall into depression and all things. You end up being really generally unhappy and you're resentful. Because yeah. you're living everyone else's values, mm, right? So cool. And this is also where it gets tricky because, you know, let's flip this on a you know, reality side. If you start living your values and living in your power based on what we were saying with, you know, a previous episode, like this is what true power is because once you find your voice and you start living, you know, your values, then by the time at the end of the day, by the time you get to your family and your husband, you're fulfilled, so you're That's happy, it. the way you move, the energy, like you're generally have a lot more. You're just your whole, my whole demeanor kind of change. But this is where it can also go wrong is that when you start living your values, guess what? Other people are going to make you feel guilty. Yes. Other, other people yes. are going to tell you that you're wrong because you're not living their values anymore. Yeah. yeah. And let's just throw in, for example, and I speak from experience, I've got, you know, Tristan's now, that baby I talked about when I first started working is 22 and a half, you know, and my daughter's 17. So I'm at a very different stage of that parenting life. It's really fun. And, you know, James and I pat ourselves on the back. I mean, we're far from done yet as parents, right? But seeing our adult child in Tristan in his, you know, glory, I guess, and he's navigating his own career. We know that we've done a good job. So despite, and this is, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up for the listeners with babies and that overcome, that overwhelming mum guilt, when you're, it's not about, there's a few things I want to say here, but it's not about quantity of time that we spend with our kids. It's the quality. quality. Of time. And that's what, right. like listening to you, I thought, you know, what, this is what we did. We had some non-negotiables um, with the kids growing up. And one th- one non-negotiable for, for James in particular was making sure he was present at Tristan's sport. Mm. That that on the weekend was the first thing. And that's not always a, a, a reality in the service-based business. Like that's, I can appreciate that would be really hard, but he made sure because I was in situations where the businesses that I was working for, um, where they were open on Saturdays and sometimes Sundays. So that did require, you know, me to be present in those businesses back then. But, you know, that was a non-negotiable. That was one thing our family had set non-negotiable. He's going to be at kids sport. So I know that there would never be a conversation at our table that you were never there. I tell you where the mum guilt potentially kicked in a little bit for me was showing up at school. And that kind of, this kind of eked in a bit when they get older, right? So you you do make friends around your kids and school and that kind of thing. But when you're that working mum and you're not hanging out at the school and you're not serving in the canteen with the other mums and, you know, your little boy comes home or your little girl comes home and says, mummy, why aren't you working in the canteen with Johnny's mum? And it's like, well, mummy, why did you forget to bake cookies for that? Yeah, you forgot 
Or, you know, I've been, you forgot to pack my lunch today. Fuck, I've done that a couple of times. I mean, it hasn't. doesn't make me a bad mother. <laughs> or, you know, you're trying to get things ready the night before. Thank goodness we lived in Melbourne back then when the supermarket was so accessible. Closed, mm-hmm. Never closed. So, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I'm trying to pack lunches and I'm like, shit, we've run out of this. So, you know, trying to work that out. But, you know, I, that was one thing, like, looking at our kids now we pat ourselves on the back and go we've done a damn good job regardless of that the choice that we made mm. in our career paths our kids have turned here's, out okay. here's, here's the thing you're also doing something to fulfill your cup yes well. and that's yeah. important and this is important in the message yeah. once you're doing that that way when you do spend quality time with your kids like you say it's quality it's quality over yeah. quantity. You don't have to be there for everything, but be there for the important things. And that's like working that out. Tristan was very sport focused growing up. So, and like James, just that was 100%. And I say James because I can't say I was there present for every sporting moment because I wasn't. But, you know, it did, you know, as the kids got older, he played cricket on a Friday night at the local cricket club. And that was like, that became a family event. Everyone would go there, we'd quite enjoy it. For those mums with boys that play cricket, we all know it's not over in an hour. Like we're talking <laughs> on for a long time. So, you know, that that's really cool. And now, even now, like, at, you know, our son still lives at home with us and we have dinner together most nights, mainly on the lounge these days. Terrible habit, but I love to have family that's dinner. That's a way for me to connect. Way for us to connect. Across the table, we have chats and it's just, you know, there's... I just I think it's very fleet free flowing. So and and you know the, the always the message I give myself is we've done a damn good job. We might not have been there 24/7 for these kids, but we've been able to provide a roof over their head, give them good food, give them a great education. We're good parents. Like we've done we have we're not perfect. Of course. Like we've fucked up, I'm sure, but we're but we've overall we've I done think we've done a great job. You really, yeah. really, really do have beautiful. So you can you remove that, and then you get to enjoy when they get older and go, yeah, you know, we've done okay, and you get to enjoy that. But it's this, you know, when they're little, and and it's the pressure. I think really to your point before, the pressure comes from judgment on the outside. Mm. Thousand percent and comparison really comparison like Mm -hmm. this one doesn't work and I think you know that's why I like to call it work-life integration not work-life balance like that I really like that it really is but this the work-life balance such a bullshit term isn't it thank god I I agree as well it really really is for me it's about work-life integration and to put this in perspective for our listeners as well you know once the way that I operate you know the way that I operate and I have three specific buckets you know that are most important to me and that will help me reach my goals so apart from the values I have my three buckets and then the process of building out those weekly habits in each bucket so that I can reach my goals so what are you are you prepared to share what your buckets are so my buckets have changed a little bit coming back because I was looking at my buckets from after coming back from Bali so but they're still you know pretty much mine is my family my work and personal development they're my three buckets yeah yeah, they're my top three. And anything outside, and you know what I'm like even with socialising, it's really not on my bucket, so I don't really socialise a lot. And I do do it but within the restraints of, you know, my my work-life integration, you know, because I always say you're always like, do you ever socialise? I'm like, I like to be invited but it doesn't mean that I'm going to come, 
you know? Well, I guess the dynamic in our workspace is quite different. I work solo. That's right. My team work in their own offices. So I do crave that people. That's where I'm on the opposite because in my workflow, I'm around people. I talk all day, all day long. Then when I finish, I'm with my family. And then at nighttime, you know, I spend it with Vlad or that's where I do my thing and I recharge and recoup. Yeah. So they're yeah. my three buckets. And, you know, the thing is also that I realized a long time ago and I still I still give myself grace within those three buckets because sometimes not each bucket is going to be filled the same each week, mm. right? And you know that as well. That's why even with my team I'm very transparent about, you know, my kids and what I have to do. And that's why I ended up having to build out a team because I wasn't able to build and grow and do everything that I wanted to do had I just kept that little, you know, hat on. But then also once you're spinning all the plates in your business as well, you really have to narrow that down and learn how to do delete and delegate. Yeah, absolutely. Right? My buckets are one well, same, same but different. I've got an extra one that you know that is um one that I set after I had Tristan. So him, you know, he's 22 and a half was around health and that came from a place of being unhealthy mm. um so you know that and I that's a non-negotiable for me on a daily basis so I was extremely overweight when I'd had him um and and that was lifestyle that was you know to that burnout point of burnout where I'm eating dinner at 10 o'clock at night and I'm you know in the office um going across, getting whatever for breakfast. Just had to, you had to have what you could on the go. Adrenaline junkie needed something again at 10.30. And if you think about it, sustain that pace. I know, that's why I had to feed it. And that feed, it it made me so unhealthy. So that my bucket was in that moment after I had him was I needed to get my health back on track. It turns out that that's just part of my daily routine now. So that's how I I choose to start my day. It has to be on your value system in order for you to accomplish something. It's not for everyone. It depends on their stage. Like for me, the sacrifice was sleep of all things. Like, you know, he was a baby. The only way I was going to fit that in to my life is to wake up early and do it. Which ironically now, back then, did you have to set an alarm to wake yourself up? Yes. I still it turns out I have to come back to set an alarm. Like I'm finding it the closer I get to 50, I'm like, really? yeah, I do naturally wake up early, but it's not always, I can't, I have to still set an alarm. Like I wouldn't rely on self-waking. As far as I have this built-in alarm clock that just wakes me up between four and five. Yeah. You're yeah. I, look, I've got the cat. <laughs> Don't forget the cat. Like she's a pretty good her body clock she at does. five AM says that she needs to be fed. So that's I'm she's good. your backup. She's your backup alarm. She's my backup. So yeah, that's one of my buckets as well. And um and um the one that I'm developing a muscle on more is I guess around self. You mm. know, the journaling, the uh, personal development side. I love learning, mm. um, but I probably have put that to the side a little sure. bit up until you know the last couple of years. And of course, we've spoken about this before with our Bali retreat coming back and journaling, and that's still a work in progress for me. Um, but I think that that you know that that would probably be a takeaway that I'd give our listeners to try and navigate where to start with this. Just journal your thoughts, mm-hmm. get it all out of your head, and it really helps you get super super clear. 
to yeah, start. no one re- can really solve this, figure this out except for you. You can talk to other people and, and get perspective. Do your value system. You know, yeah. I might drop in the show notes the um, value system that I that I use, that I use right for myself. Here. I actually use it yeah. for my team when I'm onboarding a team member. Um, I do a value system and it takes a minute because you have to really think about it and you start categorising. So when you're doing your values is, you know, what do you think about mostly? What do you spend your time on? Like, what do you spend your money? And you start really noticing a pattern. Mm. And that's how you, because it's a hard, it's the most difficult part is finding the category of it. Because then yeah. you have a whole list of things, but then you start listing them out and then you start asking, right, so what's more important to me? Do I put my gym or my family first? And yeah. then you work out, then you start building it in category, which one, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's what do you want to do. That's it. That's and that's you've got to figure that one out. You've got to figure because that's that's the whole thing is that if you're not congruent with your value system, is when shit starts to fall apart. Right? Mm-hmm. And just being a mum, that doesn't mean and you know, no disrespect to any mum out there who, you know, has the privilege or or wants to stay home with their kid. But for yeah. me, after four or five years of being home and, you know, just dabbling in work, I was ready. I was like, I'm actually ready to go back out there and, you know, do something that's going to make an impact. Because to me, I don't know if anyone else feels the same out there, but if I'm a mum 24-7, I'm not going to be the best human that I'm going to be, you know. And if I'm going to work and I'm working 24-7, I'm not going to be the best human either. Mm. So it really is finding the thing that really, you know, lights lights your soul up because my kids and my husband and I think everyone that's around me now genuinely knows they see it in me like I genuinely wake up so grateful I'm very rarely stressed. And if I am, it's very, you know, I have my moments. It's like maybe twice a year where I, you know, I can handle my stress a lot better. And also with the value system, I don't get triggered as much. Mm. I mean, there's some things that trigger me, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to really filter it in because you're human. It's, like, it's, it's, it's not like a light switch. It's a forever thing that you're going to have to work on forever. But it's really centered me. It's really calm me. I know who I am. I know what I stand for and I know where I'm going. I'm so clear in it and I'm, I'm pretty much become unshakable. And I'll tell you a little quick story as well, like how I knew that this is so powerful because before, you know, when you're living, you know, your life, like now I can see with my parents because their values are different to my values now. They're older now. They crave connection and time and, you know, in the beginning when I first started this, oh, why are you always working and, you know what? And before, if I didn't know my value system, I would get really triggered and get really pissed off, lose my shit, and then hang up. Well, that would hang up on me because they were like, you're a psycho bitch, you know, because <laughs> you're not having that clear dialogue and you're not understanding people's value system as whereas now I can really, really understand where they're coming from. Mm. And also with that, I don't get triggered. And I'm like, yeah. I come from a place of love and understanding and I just explain it. Like, Mum, Dad, I know, you know, that you want to see us but I'm really working. Like this is, you know, something that's really, really important to me. As well. I would never have explained that a few years ago because that was one thing that I was going to leave our listeners with. That place of understanding comes from understanding self first. A thousand percent. You need to get to know. And it's, I think that, there's no right age, like for our listeners. I'm nearly 50 and I'm just no, never constantly the student, right, of self-student and self-learning, but I've probably stepped into my power more 
in recent months than anything else. And what I said about that to myself was I didn't give myself permission early on to get to know myself, to work out what my values were. Mm, And and I don't want to live in that regret and what if I had given my, because giving myself permission meant giving myself the time. And I was kind of on this hamster wheel. I was stuck on this hamster wheel. I was trying to prove to the world that I'm going to be the best mum and the best career and boss bitch and all that shit. And really, like I lost to your what you're saying before. You can quickly lose yourself in that. So, mm, and then it becomes something else that you don't even know where it was created from. No, so yeah, that journaling and you coming from that place of understanding with your family is because you did the work mm, with yourself. Absolutely, to understand you. So that's that's what that's all I've got to say on that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so journaling. Give yourself the the time and space, and I, and I'm not like, I I guess wh- where I'm coming is if you have to put an appointment in your diary because that's the way you operate, then go right ahead and do what you need to do to create that time and space and get to know you. And it is going to take some time, and it starts with like you know it does start with the meditating and giving not and not being distracted by devices or little humans or big humans or anything else but it's just really getting comfortable with you and yourself and being able to write some stuff down get it out of your head that's right and it doesn't matter what age like that's our biggest she said it you know so poetically the other day it's never too late to recreate never too late to recreate it really isn't but it's because it's so true it's never too late look I, i say i took a left turn you know, in my late 30s um, and look at what was around the corner, you know, had I not had that support, had I not, you know, taken the challenge, had I not taken a bet on myself, had I not got to know my value system, you know, that's why that's why we're saying you could be that busy, you know, mum or busy person running around but you don't know, like you're just running. You're running in circles and, you know, we hear it all the time, even with the young girls, they're all trying to figure it out. But when you ask someone, what are you doing to get to know what you want or what do you get to, you know, if you ask someone if they're investing in personal development, a lot of people don't actually do it. You know, they're self-soothing by watching Netflix or they're self-soothing by, you know, going out drinking and that's fine. There's a time and a place for it as well. But I think, you know, I think everyone that's going to be listening to our podcast is people that really want to, you know, have that transformation in their life, really make a difference, really understand how to achieve their goals. And the goals are going to be so different for everyone. You know, high performance, you know, what, you know, even hearing to, you know, hearing from you, I think that's embedded from schools. And I remember watching Dr. Phil once and oh he was God. saying, I know Dr. Phil, and he, he put it, and this is what I say, I use it with my kids all the time. You know, if you're going to get a, you're going to get grades and you're going to get a b or c c grades will get you a c lifestyle b grade will get you a b lifestyle and an, an a will get you an a lifestyle you just got to ask yourself where do you want to sit in that in that in that frame right and yep. who do you need to become in order to achieve what you want to achieve that's it that's right? powerful and i think this is a good place like just because you're a mum doesn't mean that you're not capable i always say to young girls now that I see that are pregnant you just wait you wait till you have kids you actually realize how strong you are yeah because babies become little humans that become you know 12 and 14 they become teens and they become adults and I'm going to leave it with this my mum said to me as uh, (laughs) as a new parent you know darling small kids small problems big kids big problems Mm. and so you know we have that um 
the little kids and little babies, they don't have voices and then they develop their own personalities and then they develop their own um, needs and wants and then they get bigger and they demand more time. And yeah, you know, bigger kids, they, they teenagers need more time and effort um, and bigger kids, they just need a parent to be present from time to time. So it's just really, you know, if I had the wisdom that I had now, and I don't know whether it comes with age or mm. maybe if I'd given myself that permission to sit down and get well, to know exactly, myself that's exactly. a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's where I want to leave it. Get your journals out, people. Get to know yourself. We'd love to hear. We'd love to get your feedback on this one. We 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 said at the start of the podcast it was going to be a heavy one. We hope that it doesn't trigger negatively, um, but we would love to hear. Please um, reach out to us in our DMs on how this landed for you. We would love to help anyone. We're not yep. You know, we're not, but we we definitely experienced in this journey Mm. of parenting and navigating you know mum and mum guilt and running businesses and managing people and everyone wanting a bit of your time so we're here we're a good ear for that I think Mm. we'd love to hear we'd love to hear shoot us an email send us your stories in I'm going to drop in the show notes your value system it's an invitation for you to do the process it will honestly change your life and I hope it does like it changed mine so we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you guys on the next one and happy business building and happy happy life yeah go get them go get them go get them girls